Now we ask Brother Frank. We greet all of you in the precious name of our Lord. We are always thankful that we can still come together to hear God's word and to let ourselves be prepared unto the glorious day of the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We heard it already in the word of introduction. God has a plan with Israel. He has a plan with the church. We greet from this place all worldwide, all who are listening, all who are watching, all who are joined with us. I had a number of phone calls and I hope that also the elderly generation knows their way around in the internet to be able to hear with us the services, to experience them. Whole of Africa, whole of South America and the neighboring countries, everywhere they are listening and watching. The transmission is being done in German, English, French, Spanish, Portuguese and Romanian. We are very, very grateful to God that He has given us brothers who are also talented in this way and who could arrange all this that we can do this kind of live streaming. Then we would like to welcome our brethren from Romania in a very special way. A whole bus with about 40 persons have come. God bless you. Whoever travels 1500 or 1600 kilometers, he most certainly must have a desire in his heart to hear God's word. May the Lord bless you. Then all the brethren are greet, sending greetings from Africa, from Nairobi, from Johannesburg, from Cape Town, from the Congo, from all over. We have greetings. Brother Wallström is sending greetings and all who are joined with us. And we, we are also greeting all from this place. Now, I also would like to welcome all those who are here today for the first time. Please raise your hand. Be welcome. Please stand up. This is tremendous. Thank you. Please stand up. May the Lord bless you in our midst. Please don't, may this not be the last time. We also would like to wish God's blessing to the drivers of the bus. And we wish them with all our hearts that they also receive God's word. To us it is really about that as many as possible will be with God in glory. 
and that they don't get lost. The main thing of the proclamation is the great offer of grace of our God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that God was in Christ and that he reconciled the world with himself, taking all our sins upon himself, paying the price on the cross of Calvary. But even the greatest gift must be received and accepted. Not just a brief report about my last missionary trip. It was the longest one. But, as I wanted to put it, but not the most fruitful one. I would like to thank our brother Didier from Paris and brother Idoni from Orléans. I want to thank them for the arrangements in China. The wonderful thing is that doors are open, hearts are open that now also in China one can rent halls and can have meetings as one likes. Also this is grace that all the countries which were under atheism and under communism that now there are open doors and also opportunities to preach the word. Then it went on to San Francisco via Honolulu crossing the time zone I left Hong Kong on a Wednesday at, at around midday and I arrived on the same Wednesday on the same date at 11 o'clock in the morning I arrived in San Francisco yes also in the USA Something is going on. I, of course, had the great privilege to be together with one of the greatest men of God. Paul Cain was, of course, that man who, after Brother, Brother Brenham, was the most used man, especially also in Germany, in Karlsruhe. And then, of course, also in the USA. He really had or has a special blessed ministry. And I hope that God can use my testimony, my sermon, so that he receives help also doctrinally and so that he comes to the knowledge of the truth. The great ministry doesn't help any man except that the man himself gets the connection to God that he gets in line with the word and by this can serve the church not only by a special gift of healing or by a gift of revelation because we all know even those who get healed, they can get sick, they can die someday. But whoever has eternal life can never die. 
but will be forever. Then came my time in Tucson, Arizona. According to my judgment, it was also blessed. In my 48 hours there, I spent at least 10 hours with Brother Perry Green and he asked me also last Sunday night, he asked me to preach in his church and also there I hope that God has blessed and that he will still open eyes giving grace and that he will help there. I invited him to come to Romania and then also into the neighboring countries. We will see whether he will come. I wish him God's blessing. And all who believe God's word and all who walk in the footprints of our Lord. I myself used the time. I traveled around 35,000 miles on that flight. The one flight 11 hours and minutes, the other flight 9 hours and so many minutes, and it went on and on like this. I used this time. I had with me all the sermons of Brother Brenham on, on CDs. I had them with me. And I really, I listened to 25 sermons. I heard them from the beginning up to the end. The first 25 sermons which Brother Brenham preached from January 1964. And I must say, I was so blessed and overwhelmed. In every sermon, Brother Brenham used and emphasized the word promise. In every sermon, Brother Brenham demonstrated the special gift namely to see the person for whom he was about to pray of this person the Lord God showed him a vision and every time he could say to the person where she or he is from what the trouble is and the healing took place one time, he even turned his back to the audience and to the person in the audience, without seeing her or him, he told him what the Lord revealed him. For us, who we are acquainted with the word of God, it's of course easy. It's also easy to believe. But now just briefly, the explanation. It was indeed the last sign which the Lord personally gave to Abraham before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this in connection 
with the promise that Sarah will have a son. We all know that Abraham had a son with Hagar, but the Lord God, he really made a personal visit at Abraham. Genesis 18, he was sitting down with Abraham and he was eating with him and he has given him the promise that Sarah will have a son and he even said around this time of the year I will return and then Sarah will have the son whoever is acquainted with the plan of salvation he can do something with it whoever is not yet acquainted he needs some private lessons it is just for us who we are a bit longer in the word but here's the point our Lord says as it was then so it shall be again when the Son of Man reveals himself as it was before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed that the Lord really revealed himself on the earth in a supernatural way and giving the main promise. That's how we are taught in the Holy Scripture that we as Isaac are the children of promise. And as children of promise, we believe the word of promise. And we see it also in the ministry of our Lord. For the scribes, it was suspicious. For those who experienced it personally, it was a remaining blessing. When, for instance, our Lord in John in chapter 1 could say to the man whom he never had seen in his life before he could tell him to Nathaniel before Philip called you I have seen you under the fig tree this was the sign the prophetic sign that Christ is the Messiah, the promised prophet, which Moses already announced in Deuteronomy 18, from verse 15 to 18. It is just like this, that the New Testament brings in itself the evidence that everything what was given as prophecy in the Old Testament, that it was that in the course of the New Testament it was fulfilled. In the same way, when Andrew brought his brother Simon, also he, he, led, he led him to the Lord. And our Lord says, Your name is Simon, the name of your father is Jonas. And it already happened. The others, who had no idea about it, they were thinking by themselves, oh, oh, what is going on here? 
what is happening here? But those with whom it happened, they had a remaining blessing. For instance, the woman at the well. When our Lord told her, five husbands you had, and the one which you have now is not your husband, and she says, I know when the Messiah comes, he will tell us everything. But who are you? And our Lord said, I am the one who speaks to you. And she ran into the city and she said, Come and see whom I have found. Is this not the Messiah? So, whoever experienced it personally, he was blessed. All the others, you of course know the judgment from the Gospels. All the others, indeed, they made their judgment. I repeat, they made their judgment. Because that, what they judged, will fall back on them. And so I indeed, from the sermons of Brother Brenham, I got it again confirmed that we, now before the return of Jesus Christ, could experience the same ministry, the same things being also a sign that the return of Jesus Christ is very near. Also here, the unbelievers can say, huh, this was already said 2,000 years ago. Peter wrote about it. Paul wrote about it. And our Lord himself said, Behold, I'm coming soon. The unbelievers, they can quickly make their judgments. And they can say, as it is written in Second Peter chapter 3, huh, everything remains as it was. As it was, so it will be for all the future. And then the Lord says, speaks to us through his word. Brothers and sisters, precious friends, we don't want to create an end-time mood here. But it's really our task to make aware, to make people aware that the time of grace is coming to its end and that the last call goes forth worldwide and that Matthew 24 verse 14 is being fulfilled. The gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all nations for a witness and then the end shall come. Also Revelation 14 verse 6 the everlasting gospel will be preached to all people's tongues and nations. And in Revelation 14.6, it's even symbolized by an eagle which flies in the midst of heaven. Symbolized by an eagle which flies in the midst of heaven. Brothers and sisters, precious friends, 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he who has eyes to see, let him see. Now just briefly, coming to two things, which we have here from the internet, concerning Israel. And Brother Graf mentioned it already. Here, we have the report that the Pope was invited by Katzaf that he should come to Jerusalem. A new nuncio, Archbishop Antonio Franco, will represent the Vatican in Jerusalem. And it indeed comes to the point now. Negotiations are going on in the Vatican that a compromise is being found about Jerusalem, but especially with the Palestinians. And now it is about the question how much the European Union must pay to the Palestinians so that they agree and so that some kind of contract can be reached. Then we have, I didn't hear it in the news, but brothers told it to me. We have the thing with the Gaza Strip. I may take off my jacket now. It's getting warm now for all of us. Now we have the thing with the Gaza Strip. And let me read to this from the prophet from the prophet Zephaniah. Here we are indeed told in the second chapter what will happen with the Gaza Strip and in the third chapter that it will be given to Israel. Let us read it from the word of God. Zephaniah chapter 2 from verse 4. For Gaza shall be forsaken and Ashkelon a desolation. Yes. The introduction seems to be already going on now. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of the Jeritites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. And the sea coast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed there upon in the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening. And now comes the main statement. For the Lord their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. So, 
the fate of Israel is not in another hand, but in the hand of God. No nation on earth is so much depending on God as Israel, because Israel is the covenant people of God. And then we have in Zephaniah chapter 3, from verse 14, the description what will happen afterward. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away thy judgments. He has cast out thine enemy, the King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. We can read on. So, the things are all in preparation. They are all shaping up. And even if you want to read in Revelation chapter 9 about the Iraq and the Iran, and he who knows his way around in these things, he knows why this all must be. Of course, because it's fulfillment of Bible prophecy in the end time. I just read Revelation chapter 9, verse 14 and 15 of the voice and of the trumpet, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound at the great river Euphrates. Euphrates, yes? It runs close to Baghdad and merges in the Persian Gulf. And then it continues in verse 15. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So, some kind of things are coming towards mankind. For me, it's not a malicious joy, but I just want to say to everyone, when this happens, then the church is no more on earth. When this happens, we are indeed with God in glory at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob with all the saints from the Old and New Testament. Then, not just briefly, also a report from Rome. Without Mary, the church is no more Catholic. Yeah. What shall one say to it? 
It's written in bold letters, so one can read it nicely. Without Mary, the church is no more Catholic. Yes, then we take her out. Not so. Then we take her out. It's really true. Only one single time Mary is mentioned at the founding of the New Testament Church. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 14, and then no more. She served the highest purpose which God had on earth. She was the virgin chosen by God, of which the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, prophesied. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. She is time and again mentioned at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. She is mentioned at the crucifixion. The Lord says to John, Behold your mother, behold your son. But then, after she finished her task, the, high, the most highest task which can be given to a child of man on earth, then a new time period broke forth, namely the time period of the church, of Jesus Christ. And then it is no more about persons, leave alone about cults of men. Then it is only about one thing, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord, about the crucified one and about what happened for us by the sacrifice on the cross. So, at this place, we do respect the divine order. Mary was among the 120 in the upper room in Jerusalem. She experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and she was praising the Lord. She was praising the Lord. She was just the vessel. Psalm 22 Thou laid me into the bosom of the mother. It literally fell into her bosom. was laid into her bosom. She was, of course, totally surprised when the angel Gabriel said that she would become mother. And she said, how shall this be? I don't know of any man. So, let us also close this part. Prophets had their task. And also John the Baptist had his task. Mary had her task. But then comes to the matter, the kernel of the matter, to the redemption, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he who wants to know it precisely, 
must read John 14 and John 16. There our Lord says, in reference to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of Truth will come, then He will glorify me. Then He will glorify me. Not a prophet, not a woman, not a man, but then He will glorify me. That's how it is written. In John 16, verse 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Here we have, of course, the context. God as Father revealed Himself in His only begotten Son, who could say, He who sees Me sees the Father. Then came the next period, that God wanted to dwell in us. This He could not do in the body, only in the Spirit. And therefore, was the bodily manifestation of God in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, but the manifestation by the Spirit must take place in the redeemed. As the Spirit came upon the Redeemer, so He comes upon all the redeemed. And then that, what our Lord has said, will also be revealed to us. Now some scriptures, I would just like to touch upon them to show us the importance actually to show us of what's all about now. Namely, that in the church of Jesus Christ everything must be restored. In doctrine, in life, in practice, just one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church, the church of Jesus Christ. In Ezra, chapter 1, in verse 3 it says, Ezra, chapter 1, Verse 3, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. Not the multitudes, not all who belong to churches, and denominations, but ye who are his people, who you became a possession of the Lord. Go up, go to Jerusalem, because there the temple must be rebuilt. In Ezra, chapter 5, we read 
In verse 3, Ezra chapter 5, verse 3, At the same time came to them Tatnai, the governor on this side of the river Euphrates, and you know what he was asking? Who has commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? Who gave you the permission? Who knows who gave it? The Lord God. And the Lord used Cyrus, the ruler at that time. In verse 5, But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not, that they could not cause them to cease. They could continue to build. Brothers and sisters, just one more verse in this connection. Nehemiah, chapter 8. Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all people. For he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. To be emphasized is here that the men of God, Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel, were used that the word which God spoke through Nehemiah finds fulfillment. It was fulfillment of a promise which God had given. And therefore, the eye of God was upon those who returned to Jerusalem according to the promise to rebuild the temple. Brothers and sisters, our Lord says in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church. And then we look into the past, especially into the first 300 years and afterward. So far, everything went quite well. But then, then came Constantine. And all can read it in church history. Then a state Christianity was introduced, a Christianity for the people, a state church was introduced, and then, then we're all Christians without Christ. And this is the big problem. 
This is the big problem. We are of course not against churches. We are only for it that all in all the churches that all are told the truth that all in all the churches have the possibility to make their decision for Christ to experience a conversion and to receive eternal life. Our Lord says very clearly my kingdom is not of this world. Let us read it in John. John chapter 18 John 18 from verse 36 Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now is my kingdom not from hence. So, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? He was speaking of a kingdom. So, art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest rightly that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Then Pilate asked, what is truth? And the answer can only be, God's word is the truth. And here's the point, brothers and sisters, as the Son of God was begotten by the Spirit and was manifested here on earth as the word becoming flesh, to then bear witness unto the truth, because he says, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Brothers and sisters, only, if we are born by the same Spirit and by the same Word, then only we can bear witness unto the truth. The one just belongs to the other. So, it is about the church, which of course is the pillar of truth. The church of Jesus Christ is the pillar of the truth. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15, pillar and foundation of the truth. The truth stands and falls with the church. The church is the pillar. She supports. She is the carrier, the bearer of the truth. In the moment where the church is no more bearing the truth, the pillars collapse. 
And what happens then? Then no more the truth of the word is here, but the interpretations about God's word are then making their way into the church of Jesus Christ. God has set various ministries. One can read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. God has set into the church apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Here's the point. If we claim to be the church of Jesus Christ, then there cannot only be a parson or a priest who does everything, but in the church of Jesus Christ there are the various ministries and gifts and tasks by which the church is edified. And then she is the pillar and foundation, namely bearing the word of truth. If we go to John 7, verse 38, there our Lord says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, Upon this, we really have to put the emphasis. It doesn't make sense to believe as, pe as the people like, but just to believe what God has said in His Word, to believe it in the way as it is written. And then it continues. John 8, verse 47, He that is of God, heareth God's word. Here we come to the agreement, to the conformity, and back again to the word that the natural man does not receive the things which come from the Spirit of God, having no access to it, I think here on two or three scriptures, Isaiah chapter 6, they have ears and hear not, they have eyes and see not, and this God says after Isaiah saw the Lord God on the throne, and he was asking who will be our messenger? And then Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And then it says, They have ears and hear not. They have eyes and see not. And then the parallel scripture to Matthew 13, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear, and your hearts, for they can believe. By nature, I and no one can believe. A revelation from God must take place. You must have made a personal experience with Jesus Christ, getting a personal relationship with God, 
to then understand what he has prepared for us. So it is now about our consecration, our devotion to God, that we not only sing no own way, no own will anymore, decide you alone, but that it is like this in our lives. Let us be honest. We are of course coming together to experience our edification and if God gives grace also to experience the completion together becoming one heart and one soul getting into the unity of faith so that the church is really ready at the return of Jesus Christ and to this the consecration really the full devotion the surrender is necessary and in all of the Old Testament the consecration was done with oil anointing with oil a direct consecration happened with anointing with oil in the New Testament oil is a symbol to the Holy Spirit let us read it in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 21. Here we are told how God consecrated those who ministered in the sanctuary. Leviticus 21. Verse 10. And he that is the high priest among his brethren, upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and that is consecrated to put on the garments, and then, verse 12, Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. For the crown, the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. Only later on we read of the food which he should give out. As already mentioned in verse 6 and then also mentioned in verse 17. In the Old Testament we have all these shadows. In the New Testament we have the reality. It is indeed like this. In Exodus 28 we read just two verses, Exodus 28, verse 29 and 30, of those who were anointed and consecrated to God. Exodus 28, 29 and 30. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart 
when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Tumim, the lights and perfections, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. So far. We all know. Maybe I have it even with me. We all know. The twelve stones in the breastplate, according to the twelve tribes of Israel, the priest had, had them on him when he entered into the sanctuary to minister for the people of God. The same it is now in the New Testament. The doctrine of the twelve apostles is a divine must. It's a divine must commanded to the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't help any man to read in Acts 2 verse 42 and they remained in the doctrine of the apostles. If one doesn't care about the doctrine of the apostles at all, so, anointing and consecration for the purpose that the people of God are served and so that the twelve tribes and now we as the people of God are on the hearts of those who are ministering unto us. To this purpose, the ministries are set into the church just to serve not to rule, but to serve. Our Lord is the Anointed One. He received the consecration. Let us read it of our Lord. And then of the Church, which also received the Divine Commission and which must be carried on. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, we have the introduction into that, what refers to our Lord, and then what refers to the ministry of those who were set by God to serve the church. Acts chapter 10 from verse 36. You know the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. So, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, is the Lord. But no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. It continues here in verse 37. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee, 
after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Here we have the anointing and the anointed one in the New Testament. The Hebrew word Mashiach means, of course, anointed one in the English language. Christ is, of course, a word taken over from the Latin. Our Lord is the anointed one, the anointed one of God. And brothers and sisters, precious friends, Here's the point. He is not only begotten by the Spirit. He is anointed by the Spirit, consecrated, placed to then carry out his ministry. And this really happened right with his baptism. And here baptism and spirit baptism is connected to one another right from the beginning and to this we will have to read the word from John from 1st John 1st John chapter 5 we read from verse 1 and then also from verse 5 1st John chapter 5 from verse 1 whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. He is begotten of God. And everyone that loveth his father, loveth also his children. So, if God has become our father, <coughs> then we love him, and then we love one another. But the main thing comes now from verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And now comes the bridge to show us of what it is about here now. From verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood. So, not only being obedient concerning the water baptism, but obedient unto the death on the cross. Only obedience and again obedience. Because disobedience was our perdition since the Garden of Eden. Unbelief and disobedience was the trouble and led to the fall in the Garden of Eden. And we all were pulled into this fall and are born in sin, separated from God, coming into this world. And therefore, we must be born again unto a living hope 
receiving eternal life to live forever. Let us read now a bit on. Again verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Because the Spirit is truth. And there are three that bear witness. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. It continues. It is about testimony, about the confirmation that Jesus Christ is truly the Anointed One, the Son of God. We read from verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. Yes, here we have the confirmation. The Son of God, begotten by the Spirit, at his baptism, he heard the words. Let us read them. Thanks be to God. They are still written in the Holy Scripture. Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Verse 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here, God himself bear witness. One can read it. In Luke, chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, one can read it. In Mark 1, from verse 1 to 9, brothers and sisters, here we have a very important point. We need the consecration. We need the anointing. We need the answer from God. We need the confirmation. His Spirit must bear witness to our spirit that we became children of God. But especially, in the Gospel of John, we have then the hint right in chapter 1. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, here the man of God said the following. John 1, from verse 31. 
And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come, baptizing with water. And John bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Here a testimony is given of what happened. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And now the confirmation in verse 34. And I saw and I bear record that this is the Son of God. Let us read on in First John chapter 5, namely from verse 10. First John 5 from verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believeth not God has made him a liar. Listen closely. What comes now? He that believeth not God has made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And what does this tell us? That we, as the sons and daughters of God, were accepted by God in the Son that we received the adoption as sons through Him, that only through Him we can pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. That only through Him happened what we can read in John 20, verse 17. I ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. We all, at this place, we believe the testimony of God, which He testified of His Son. With the words, These, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so, we are called and ordained by God to receive and experience in the Son the well-pleasing of God personally. Because in the Son, God sees us without sin. God sees us as we became through Calvary, as if we would have never sinned, just free from all guilt, free from all sin. The letter of requirements is torn in pieces. God, through His only begotten Son, 
He is well pleased with all his sons and daughters. And we may be in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and, God, and having God's well-pleasing on us. And we are coming to the point now, why this belongs together, namely, the Son of God and all sons and daughters of God. But please, listen this part once again. In verse 10, 1 John 5, verse 10, He that believeth not God has made him a liar. Because he believeth not the testimony that God himself gave of his Son. But we say God is true. God is the truth. We believe the testimony which God has given. And then... And this is the record that God has given to us. Here we have the bridge to us. God has given to us eternal life. Not will give one day, but has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God has not life. Here we see the transition of the Son of God to all sons and daughters of God. Brothers and sisters, the redemption is something precious. It's a gift of our God. But it must be received and it must be experienced personally. Here, we are told, we were told of the Apostle John that they were there when this voice sounded. They were ear witnesses of that, what God has said. Peter could say the same in Second Peter. In Second Peter, in chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle could say, also we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. John was a witness, John the Baptist was already the first one. And now we have here, once again, Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1, from verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Gefunden 
And this voice, which sounded from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Yes. Now comes the second part. The one happened at the water baptism and the other one happened at the transfiguration. And at the transfiguration it is about more. At the baptism it's about obedience. For it behooves us to fulfill all righteousness. But when we now Because Peter doesn't refer to Matthew 3. Peter refers to Matthew 17 when they were on the Holy Mount. Not when they were standing at the River Jordan, but when they were on the Holy Mount. And here we come to a very important point. All sons and daughters of God do not stop at the water baptism. They go together with the Lord and Redeemer up unto the Mount of Transfiguration. And only there, and only there, Moses and Elijah appeared. Only there, we are told, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But one must be present when the word becomes true. As our brothers then were present when it happened. So we must be present when this happens, what is being said here in connection with the experience. Was this clear enough? Matthew 17, Matthew 17, well known to all of us, from verse 4, maybe from verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice sounded from the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In Matthew 3, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here comes the add-on. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Hear ye Him. Not at the River Jordan. There, obedience is required. Here it is about the revelation of that, what God promised in His Word. So, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And when the disciples heard it, 
they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man except Jesus only. Moses was no more seen. Elijah was no more seen. Tabernacles didn't have to be built. Just our beloved Lord and Savior was in their midst. But now it comes, namely that part which applies for us. I read from verse 9. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And now comes the question. And this question comes for our sakes. Namely, on the Mount of Transfiguration, then coming down, and now the question. Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. Here we have again two things which were said. Firstly, for the future, and then for the past. Concerning John the Baptist, he came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He had his ministry, he finished it. And to this our Lord referred in verse 12. But I say unto you that Elijah is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they wished. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Whoever doesn't have the revelation, whoever doesn't go with unto the Mount of Transfiguration, he starts to argue and to debate. And he says, Sir, one moment, please. Then the whole thing is finished. At that time, it was finished by the ministry of John the Baptist. For that time, it was finished. And now, before the return of Jesus Christ, it had to be finished for us as the church, so that everything is being restored. About this, we could now read one scripture after the other one, and all would find out how God, how God in fact encoded the Bible prophecies, that only by taking all of the other scriptures to it, by taking the other scriptures to it, it can be only illuminated. 
and it can be seen in the actual fulfillment. Whoever doesn't do this, whoever just takes one scripture, he can go astray with it. It's always most important to always find the key words. We said it here many times. At that time, it was about that the way of the Lord is being prepared. Now it is about that everything is restored in the church before the return of Jesus Christ. Both is biblical. Both has its place. Let us summarize for this, this part now. The first one, the water baptism of our Lord. Then God's well-pleasing, which came down, which was heard. Witnesses were there. And then, the second, the transfiguration. Because here it is written, Once again the verses from Matthew 17, from verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth, <coughs> bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, <coughs> and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine, as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Here we see our Lord transfigured as we will see him in glory. As John saw him in Revelation 1, walking amidst the seven golden lampstands. Please, see today the connection, the one, the obedience, the baptism, the other one, that the heavens open and, and that the Spirit descends, the placing into the ministry, because right afterward came the 40 days of testing in the wilderness and then the ministry of our Lord started. And as he was tempted 40 days after his water baptism and after the spirit baptism, so after his resurrection he spoke 40 days with his disciples about the kingdom of God. We have a wonderful plan of salvation of our God. But we are not spectators, but we are partakers of that, what God has done by His grace and what He is doing right now. As the people of Israel then returned from Babylon, started to rebuild the temple and as the eye of God was upon them and no interruption could took, could took place so God is calling now out of the great Babylon of this time 
And let me to this read just two scriptures, just briefly, namely from Revelation. On one side, the last part from chapter 17, and then right from chapter 18. Here, in chapter 17, we have the description of the great whore which sitteth at many waters. Revelation 17. One should actually read the whole chapter. I just want to read verse 15. Revelation 17, verse 15. And he says unto me, The waters which thou sowest where the whore sitteth. What is a whore? Someone's unfaithful woman. Are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues and the ten horns and so. It goes too far now. But most important, verse 18. And the woman, so the whore, the woman which thou sowest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. And this is now, of course, the very big question. Where is the great city on earth which rules over the kings of the earth? Where is the city which in Revelation 17 verse 5 is called Babylon the Great and mother of harlots? And then we come to Revelation 18 so that we understand this call properly. Revelation 18 from verse 1 to 4. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And now it comes. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Let us summarize it briefly. Now, before the return of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord, the calling out takes place. Everything what is what belongs to Babylon, everything what is entangled in confusion is being called out. Now the calling out takes place. And all who have an ear to hear, they will hear it and they will receive it and they will prove their faith by obedience as our Lord as Son of God was obedient yes he was placed directly under the obedience of the law he was circumcised on the eighth day to redeem those who were under the law The Holy Scripture gives information about everything. It leads us into the whole counsel of our God. Please, don't forget it anymore. Both belongs together. Water baptism, spirit baptism, and then going with unto the Mount of Transfiguration where the prophets appeared as they were speaking with the Lord and then at the end only Jesus Christ remained for it is he of whom all prophets prophesied and spoke about it is he on whom we believe I wish myself I wish all of us the consecration of God in the total obedience to the word with justification by faith with conversion with a new birth with a renewing with a spirit baptism with a true consecration as the people of God that we could become a God consecrated people a people well-pleasing to Him by His grace. <clears throat> Not we ourselves are giving us a well-pleasing. God gives it to all of us. And in as much as we are found in obedience to His word, it is ready for us also tonight at this place and everywhere where people are listening and watching. Brothers and sisters, today we can experience God at this place. All who did not yet experience a conversion, who do not have the assurance to have been accepted by God, today it can happen. Today we want to make ourselves available to the Lord so that His Spirit comes upon us and so that we could be a God-consecrated people which walks in total obedience to His Word. And then we will experience the completion. And together we will thank God for such hours of blessing which the Lord has given us. I'm also grateful for this that we have true witnesses who were there, who were present. Witnesses who were present when 
it happened. Who could say, we were on the holy mount with him. We have seen it. We have heard it. So in our time also, we have the grace of God. And the supernatural working of God, we experienced it. Also we may be eye and ear witnesses of that, what God has promised and what He is doing by His grace. Let us wait patiently. God fulfills what He promises. All the promises of God are yea and amen. Hallelujah, amen. We stand up for prayer. Let us sing just as I am. I don't know whether our sisters have a song which they want to sing. I would like to ask whether we all agree and can say yes, I believe the testimony which God himself gave. This is, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because only he who believes this testimony and is, is being led through by water and blood and spirit, he has been truly he has been truly adopted and can receive by this God's well pleasing by his grace. The words of the scripture are very deep. And we thank God that He speaks to us, that He still calls today, and that He still saves today, that He still heals today. We have some special prayer requests, one from Chile of a sister who has cancer and who is about to die. Today, one week ago, in Bratislava, we have heard it of an elderly sister with the name Yasovsky. She gave a testimony. She had a great tumor. Two years ago, when we were there, and when we had a meeting there, we were praying for her. And now, on Saturday, today, one week ago, She came to the front, together with her daughter. When Brother Siegfried Fleck and myself, we were there, and she gave her testimony. And the tumor died and withered away. It died and withered away. The doctors 
had to testify to it that that a miracle has taken place. We wish that our sister there in Chile in the last moment receives the Lord and her healing. All things are possible for him who believes. We don't know the will of God, but we pray, Thy will be done. Precious Lord, we would be very happy, we would be very happy if you would confirm your word on this sister unto a testimony that you are still the same today. Dear Lord, we pray now for all in our midst, for all who are hearing and seeing, save what is lost, heal what is sick, deliver what is bound, fulfill thy promises, confirm thy word, and glorify thy name in our midst. We believe your testimony, O God. We believe your testimony, and we thank thee that your Spirit gives also has also given witness to our spirit that we can be your possession. Great God, be highly praised and highly exalted, highly praised of your church, of your people, of your sons and daughters. And all the people said, Hallelujah. And all the people said, Amen. The Lord leads us on the way of obedience and faith through baptism, through spirit baptism, up unto the Mount of Transfiguration and reveals himself to us. As he said, the world sees me no more, but ye shall see me precious Lord, and we may see you, we may hear you, and we may believe you. We thank thee for thy word, which was brought in weakness, but yet it remains the power of God. For the word of the cross, the word of God, is to them who believe the power of God. Salvation power, healing power, deliverance power, a consecration in your presence. Blessed and praised be thou, Lord our God, now and forever. And together we glorify the power of your blood, of your word, and of your spirit. And we thank thee for the threefold testimony, the spirit, the water, and the blood. 
Have thine own way in our midst. Hallelujah. Blessed and praised be thou, Lord our God, now and forever. Hallelujah. Singen wir noch, O es ist Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are taking our seats.